You're listening to KXOB, Ocean Beach, where Constancy is the spice of life. Welcome to Beach Cop Detectives, a Terriers podcast, episode 11, Sins of the Past. I'm Randy Lander for the TV Dudes, and with me here is Jason Murphy, co-host of The Modern Rogue on YouTube and author. Yes. Jason, thanks for being here with me. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. So you posted recently when I was talking about Terriers that you were going through it. That wasn't your first time through it, was it? Oh, no. No. I had seen it once before when it originally hit Netflix. Okay. And I think it was because you were banging the drum pretty loudly for that. I do that. Yeah. And this was only my second watch of it okay and i haven't finished my second watch of it yet this was kind of recently i've been watching in bits and pieces again and yeah i'm every time i watch it i am reminded of just how perfect it is it really is it really is and as it goes on we're into the we're into the deep part of it here we're, we're in episode 11 so we're real near the end and yeah. as it goes on it just gets better and better yeah it really does and you would expect a show like this a detective show, a, a crime show, mm-hmm. to have some filler. Yeah. Some fat. One episode that's like, oh, the case of the weaker is boring. Right. Doesn't happen. In, in fact, I thought that that was episode 11. Yeah. Because I couldn't really remember it very well. Because uh-huh. it had been years since I watched yeah. it. But it's really not. No. In fact, it is a crucial episode that really wraps up some things that we had all been wondering about from their past. Yes. And set some other really important things in motion. Yes. Now, this episode is written by Tim Minear, who was one of the executive producers of the show and really ran the room in a lot of ways and was very instrumental. He was one of my first interviews for this show, and he talked about this episode quite a bit. And one of the things he revealed to me is Reynolds being the killer. Mm-hmm. That came up when they were developing this episode. Or not the killer, the rapist. Right. That That came up it, like as they were developing this episode, it was not like planned from the outset. And so you go back and look and it all fits into place. Does it really? Absolutely. There's nothing where you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. No, it all fits into place and it looks like it was planned from the beginning, but it wasn't. And I think that's the mark of great writing. That's amazing because when the reveal happens that Reynolds is the rapist, it kind of comes out of left field. Yeah. And not in a way where you think, oh, they cheated or, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Right. It's really good and satisfying and a a gasp moment. Yeah. But now that makes me want to go back and watch it again and look for (laughs) clues for that. And the show is actually really good at that if you compare it to his sister. Yeah. Because there's so much weird stuff going on. It's like a haunting. Mm -hmm. Hank compares it to rats. Yep. And then you realize that it's actually his sister living in the attic. And so they plant these seeds for that. Yeah. And you can see them really subtly in the early episodes. So now I want to go back and look for things that point to that with Reynolds. Because there are things with Reynolds that I thought pointed to it. And there's stuff in the first episode where the reason that Gustafson doesn't trust Hank that really looks like it points to this episode. And now I'm not sure if it does. Wow. So that's another reason for everybody to listen to the interview episodes where I'm going to ask all these questions and find out the nitty gritty of when they knew what and when they were planning this. Yeah. This episode is also directed and... Terriers has like one director on every episode for the most part. There's not episodes, you know, don't have the same director. I noticed that. Yeah. This is Tucker Gates, who has done so much TV. Really? Seven episodes of Lost, four episodes of The Office. Recently, he's doing House of Cards, Bates Motel, and Ray Donovan. 
Wow. And I actually think, as I was watching this, this is some of the best direction in a show that's had really great direction. I mean, this is a show that had Ryan Johnson directing an episode, and it's had a ton of great directors, but there's some great stuff in here, specifically the wipes from modern day to the three years ago. Yes. It could be easy to get confused with those, because this one has some flashbacks, considerable amount of them, actually. And it was pretty seamless. Well, they do these these beautiful wipes where they're like, uh, they're opening the door to the interrogation room to go in, and as they go out, as they go in, they're in the modern day, and when they get in, it's in the past. Yes, and it's just really well done. There's even just like a when they're panning around the whole station house. There's this really nice little tracking shot where they're panning around and showing you the. There's just some really nice direction in this whole thing. It's clever how the editing comes together to really tell the story as well. Yeah. A lot of it is just immaculately paced and placed. Yes, because it's difficult to juggle as many stories as they did in 40 minutes. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, because not only are we getting Hank's backstory, we're getting the revelation that we've all been wanting about how did he get kicked off the force, what happened between him and Gretchen, which turns out to be connected. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we're seeing a mirror of when Hank made this big decision that ruined his life. We're seeing Brit in the modern day make the same decision and Hank's trying to stop him. Mm -hmm. And along with that, there's a separate case of the serial rapist that is introduced, set up and solved in this episode. Yeah. And you have the first meeting of Brit and Hank, which ties into the serial rapist case. So it's all really just brilliant the way they put it all together it was expertly crafted there's a they make it look very simple but there's a lot going on there well yeah there's a lot of moving parts and there's an easy way to see where this comes off as everything happening in one day and it doesn't it's unbelievable i mean you you look at him and it's you remember you know indiana jones which I love this, by the way, but River Phoenix, the, the flashback where he gets his scar, he gets the whip, <laughs> yes. he gets everything, everything that affects his modern day life is all in this one day as a kid. That's a good point. And you can really screw that kind of thing up. Yeah. None of this felt forced. None of it felt like, oh, sure, all that stuff happened the same day. Nope. It all made sense. Well, when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, there's this one day that is extraordinarily pivotal right. to Hank's life. Right. And but- it's Everything had been developing before that. Like, Hank had been drinking on the job for a while. Sure. Yeah, clearly. He he and Gretchen had been having problems for a while. This was just where everything came to a head. Yeah. And I really like how flawed all of the characters are. And a lot of it's – they don't paint everyone in a horrible light because of their flaws like they could Hank. They could easily make him just a horrible bastard. Yeah. And the same thing goes for Brit. You can really see – how they could be these horrible people because Britt goes and beats the hell oh, yeah. out of who he thinks Katie slept with. And he's so pleased with himself. Yeah. He's so yes. happy. I mean, we see Britt starts this episode in this really dark place that we haven't seen him in much. Yeah. Where he's drinking and he's sullen and he's just... And then at the end of the episode, after he's given this guy the beating of his life... He's just he's, pleased as punch. Yeah, he's out. He's there grinning and joking and yeah. it's back to old Britt. And it's yeah. what that says about him... It, it could easily be too harsh, but yeah, because we get where he's coming from, yeah. we're able to forgive him. And Hank, we forgive him for so many things. And it's really a testament to not only the writing, but the acting as well, because these people could be seen as bastards. Yeah. You know, Brit and Hank in particular. Yeah. But we also know them. They're likable. And that's one thing that lets them slide by. But it's a good way of exploring their flaws and how their flaws have 
exacerbated situations and brought them together. So it just makes them really rich, deep characters that you kind of, while you don't agree with what they did, you get it. Yeah. They do a really good job of taking us inside their heads mm-hmm. and seeing why they act this way. And right. we know that Hank's been self-destructive for a long time. We know that Gustafson have seen it. Yeah. We know that Gretchen saw it. Yeah. And you see a parallel between how Brit is destroying himself and everything around him because of what happened between him and Katie. And you also see what happens with Hank as he's torn up realizing that Gretchen had dated the rapist yeah. or that something had happened yeah she's reluctant to call it rape but it certainly sounds rapey yeah yeah there's definitely a connection to be drawn there where hank and brit are in trying to protect their women are basically endangering them and themselves both endangering their their relationships emotionally and then endangering themselves by their actions yeah and at the same time you look and see what Gretchen and Katie are doing the same thing in the, in the not necessarily in this episode. In the previous episode, when Katie will not tell Britt who she slept with, she says, I'm trying to protect you. Yeah. And that comes back because Gretchen is saying the same thing to Hank. Yes. And the parallels are drawn beautifully. They're not hit on the head too hard, but it's hard to miss and it's just well done. It's really, really well done because you don't really realize the parallels even the first time you're watching it. Yeah. It really starts to come together when you know where things are heading yeah, so that you really get more of a payoff when you watch it again, which you can't really say for most series. It's true. And there's also a lot there talking about toxic masculinity and Mm -hmm. men trying to protect women and the women who are actually really making the better choice and trying to protect them, even when they're very flawed as well. Right. There's a lot of updating to the noir sensibilities. Yes. There's a lot of that going on where this does follow a lot of the the staples of classic noir and detective films uh, of old, yet they're very updated. And it's really the hallmark of someone who really, really understands it and knows how to repackage them without making it look like someone just took these old noir tropes and just reskin them. Yeah, I agree. It's for one thing that we don't see, I don't that I can't remember at least. We don't see a femme fatale at any point during Terriers. It's a it's a noir trope, but That's I don't really point. think we've seen it. All the women yeah. are much more more drawn and developed than that, especially Laura Ross, the new ally who is yeah. introduced in the previous episode, mm-hmm. but sort of we see a little bit more of her yeah. in this episode and see her not in sort of the yeah. dire circumstance we met her in. Yeah. With as far as the tropes go, what do we have? We have the down-on-their-luck detectives, yes. uh, hard-drinking, mm-hmm. uh, trying to protect women, yep. and they end up getting into trouble because of the women, quote-unquote. Also, in over their heads. In over their heads. The, 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 the system is corrupt, and they've stumbled on something bigger than them. Yes, and they're more clever than those people around them, Yeah, but they're also extraordinarily flawed, so sometimes the cleverness bites them in the ass. Right. <laughs> well, let's go through this a little bit. This thing starts off with Brit drinking tequila from the bottle, cleaning out the closet, and that that opening scene, one of the things that the terrorist does really well, and they've they've done it in the previous episodes where they had Brit and and Katie break up and they had that big fight, and it's just one of those brutal real fights. And, and immediately before that, we had Hank and Gretchen go at it in the same way. So this this show knows how to do real emotional fights. Yes. And so we're seeing the aftermath now where we're seeing the breakup. We're seeing Brit go through the closet, 
you know, touch the clothes and he's he's feeling everything. And then Katie shows up and it's like all the oxygen just is sucked out of the room. Yeah. And Hank is just kind of standing there awkwardly. Yeah. That is the best description for it in that it's real. Yeah. It doesn't feel pat. It doesn't feel like it's escalating in any particularly contrived, dramatic way. No. If that makes sense. It's really just kind of raw and honest and it hurts it, it gets yeah. you the second time i've seen it yeah and it still was a sucker punch well yeah because hank's staying there and hank and katie both know more than brit knows oh, but they yeah. can't tell him and that's going to come back really hard at the end yeah. of the episode but then there's that line where katie says i let the ring out did you find it and it's just that's it's loaded with all the symbolism of what they're giving up what they're losing yeah and it gets worse from there because they start walking out with Winston, and Katie looks like she's been punched in the face. Yeah. Because it had not occurred to her that something was going to happen, and that leads to this brutal bit of dialogue. You're taking Winston? Well, I... You want him? You just are going to give him up that easy? What are you talking about? It's not what... Do you want the dog? I kind of got him for you, so if you want him... Yeah, I thought we got him for us. I can't cut him in half, Katie. What do you want to do? Do you want him or no? He should be with you. Okay. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Wait. That's the part when Brit breaks. He was barely keeping it together, and then everything just kind of shatters again. Yeah. It was. It hurt. <laughs> yeah, it did. And then Katie's tearful goodbye to Winston, which is her saying goodbye to their relationship. Exactly. And it's very clear, yeah. right? Yeah. She's loving on the dog, and it's adorable and everything because Winston's great. But you realize that, no, she's not just saying goodbye to her dog. Yeah, she's saying goodbye to the whole relationship. It seems like, well, where do we go from here? Uh, it's got to be a lighter, you know, case of the week, right? No, Laura Ross is in the house, and Hank comes up, and they're talking about Billy Whitman, name we've never heard before, right? And she said, Hank says, yeah, that that's the case that got me fired, uh, may have ruined my marriage, and Laura Ross says, well, I think I may have solved it, yeah. And then we go to credits. <laughs> Terry's was does great openers like those they make great use of those last those first two or three minutes and great use of the last like four or five where there's always some big twist yes yes something to keep you really invested in the show and want to see the next episode yeah. they're really good about that and then we get what i think is our first flashback to three years earlier we've, we've seen flashbacks to to hank and gretchen like in the house sure little a lot of little character pieces and stuff like that but we've never seen hank and gustafson working together I love when they strut into the precinct. They've got a perp with them. Gustafson looks like Hank does now. They're both like undercover. Yeah. And you usually see Gustafson in a suit. Yes. Hank, you're used to seeing this way. Seeing Gustafson like as a as a grimy undercover cop. I love that little bit. He's right in a suit as soon as like the next scene, he's back in his suit. Yeah. Yeah. But he is smoking. And I think that was another great little touch 
because then they can use that so you know whether you're in the modern day or the past. Oh, I never caught on to that. If he has a cigarette, he's in the past. If he has a cigarette holder, he's in the present. Also, another thing that they do with the styling, and this is all really kind of set direction and hair and wardrobe stuff that they use as little visual cues like that. In the past, Hank's hair is always slicked back. Yeah. Kind of greasy looking, yeah. a little wet, instead of shaggy dog hanging in his eyes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of those little touches that instantly make you recognize whether they're in the past or not, because it's the same set for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same people a lot of the time. And so those little touches, I mean, you got to give it up yeah. to the wardrobe and the set people for really making it look different. Yeah. And it hasn't been that long. Right. So there's the temptation when you're doing something like that. You know, it's only been, what, three years? You think they should have put Gustafson in a fat suit like Friends? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, maybe like played a bunch of Wham or something. Say, no, it's the 80s, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Giving them some wacky sideburns. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. But this is the sideburns, uh, big chunky glasses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they don't do those cheats, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, they, they really subtle. And it's still 100% clear when we're in the present, when we're in the past. Yeah, it's very effective. There are a lot of other shows that don't do that as well. Yeah. And it can be very confusing. Yeah. It's it's not an easy thing to do, and it's yet another thing that Terriers just sticks perfectly. Yeah. So we meet Billy Whitman, and he's the witness to the condo raper f uh, fleeing, supposedly. Rapist? Rapist. Uh, it's what I think they prefer, rapist. Oh, I'm sorry. I Rape, raper is a slur. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my, that's, my that's, bad. That's outrage. My bad. Uh, so then they go, Hank goes to interrogate the guy who they think is the rapist. Yes. And they're doing that nice little pan around where we see, Brit, we see Hank talking. We don't see who he's talking to. And then we see this Brett. Yeah. It was really well done. Yeah. Again, having seen it before, but not in a long time, when yeah. I watched it again, I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's the thing. I know this show very well. I watch this show a lot. How many times have you seen it? Uh, like five times through. Okay. Not not like an insane amount. Yeah. I'm not a crazy person. Yeah. It's not like my wife with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, it's not like I made an entire podcast just to celebrate <laughs> one show. That'd be crazy. <laughs> right. But I, I still don't necessarily remember it. Like, it's always that shock of, oh, that's right. Yeah. And I, I, that freshness is still there for me, and I'm really glad that I get to enjoy it on that level. But yeah, so Hank and Britt talking and seeing... Hank sort of go at somebody as an interrogation. We've seen him do this when he's like angry. Yeah. But not when he has, not when he's the authority. Usually yeah. he's the underdog yelling at somebody. He's the authority figure. And we see, okay, Hank was not only a good detective, he was probably a good cop. Yeah. And you can tell the difference because he's got some swagger in this. Yeah. He's definitely using his authority. And you can yes. see it in his walk, his inflections, the way he holds himself. Stellar performance. Yes, it was. And Britt is, as we're introduced to him here, the sort of gentler guy that he's always been, which is ironic because in the modern day story, he is definitely not the gentler guy. Yeah. But right now, he's the sort of gentle, soft-spoken guy who doesn't know what the hell Hank is talking about. And he's really worried yeah. about the girl that was getting raped. Yeah. In fact, he says this. She going to be okay, man. Who? Girl, he tried to rape tonight. Who says he just tried? Hey, Reynolds, what did your victim say? She wasn't raped. Guy never got that far. She said something spooked him, and he ran. That kid in the interrogation room, that's what spooked him. Wait, he's not our guy? Nah, he's a petty thief. He's not a rapist. My guess is he got the right place at the wrong time, probably saved that woman tonight. Oh, you want to throw him a parade? No, but the least we can do is uh, cut the charges on him. 
And yeah, that gives away the game when he says he just tried that Brit knows something. Yeah. And so, so lo and behold, we discover that there was a 911 call, which all viewers of Terriers recognized that voice. Mm-hmm. And Brit called it in and basically saved that girl from being raped. Yeah. It really shows him as kind of the Robin Hood character, you know, thief with a heart of gold kind of thing. Yeah. And you start to see immediately after that, Hank's intent to reform him or yeah. at least feel it out and see what kind of person he really is. Yeah. Well, there's a little nod to him a little later than that, where I don't think Britt's leaving because we see him in the cell later, but he sort of nods with his coffee cup toward him. Yeah. And Britt looks back at him. And I thought, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, oh, that's the Avengers, Mr. Mr. Stark, Captain. That's oh. their moment. That's, the, <laughs> right. you know, because anyone who's seen Avengers who yeah. is a Marvel fan like you and I, that moment in movies where uh, yeah. it's like the meeting of these two characters you never thought you'd see, mm-hmm. the meeting that we know leads to something. Like, that was the moment of, oh, this is where Hank and Britt meet. But that moment is actually later in the episode, yeah. much later. But that little nod is like, oh, okay, they're starting to to get the relationship we know where they're going to get to. Yeah, and Britt is insisting that he didn't do it and yep. that he's actually a good kid who's making some bad choices. Yep. And Hank is on to Whitman already. Hank does not, even at this point, we know, Hank does not like rich, snotty kids. Right. And he sees that this kid was expelled from USV in the 90s, that his parents like built a football stadium. Hank has already decided this kid's guilty. And we want him to be guilty, too. We do. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. We're, we're so convinced, oh, that's the yeah. bad guy. Yeah. Especially when we find out about Gretchen. And Yes. And it's really timely right now, mm-hmm. if you think about it, because yeah. the zeitgeist right now, as it should be, is that we are fed up with rich white kids getting away with shit. Yes. And that's what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And Gretchen talking about it, and when Hank talks to her, it's kind of like when Hank is talking to Brit. Hank knows things that Brit doesn't. Gretchen knows things that Hank doesn't. So when he starts bringing up Billy Whitman, she's like, why do you say that name? Why are you using the name of my ex-boyfriend? He had no idea he was going that close. He thought he was asking about the college that she went to. Yeah. And it turns out that she was involved with this guy and that his previous crimes were involved with her. It's just he's he's in just a, a really rough place with her. And she is just telling to back off it. And we know from Hank that he's not going to back off this thing once he's on onto something. Yeah. As is often the case with any sort of fight with a significant other, Mm -hmm. it's really turning into being about something else. Yeah. You know, with her, it's about his alcoholism and she doesn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so he's letting the case. And of course, it is indirectly related to her, but he's letting the case influence their relationship yes and so it's turning into this whole boondoggle yeah uh, and he's making things much worse by his inability to keep things separate and it's something that he says all right here's a piece of advice never play detective in your personal life uh he says that to brit in a previous episode yes and we've seen this throughout terriers where hank gets personally involved in the cases usually it helps him to some extent, when when the kid with the, with amnesia, yeah, that was all about Steph. That was all about Steph. It wasn't about the kid. Mm-hmm. And Hank does this. He brings his personal life into the case, and solving the case means he can solve a thing in his personal life. Yeah, and you get a real insight to why Hank became alcoholic in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because Hank wants to fix everything. Yeah, and when he can't fix everything, he tries to fix something else. And when he can't fix that, he drinks. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. <laughs> so. Billy Whitman and Hank in interrogation is so much like Hank and Lindis later on because Lindis was sort of cocky and yep. Whitman is beyond cocky into douche bro level here. Yeah. He's he is not happy to be pulled pulled in front of this whole thing. He's 
unhappy to have his privilege checked, he, and he doesn't feel threatened at all. He's a stereotypical American psycho, rich white kid lunatic. He, he looks he looks exactly like that. Hank, of course, is in somewhat drunk and out of control mode. And even if Whitman had done it, Gustafson knows when he goes in there that Hank's blown it because he goes in and Reynolds is watching, which I think is really interesting. Yes, and letting it happen. Because Reynolds is better off if Whitman gets blamed for it. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, he just kind of wants to make sure that he's not in any danger. Mm -hmm. And we don't know that at this point. In retrospect, you realize, oh, man. Reynolds was in there watching the original yeah. thing, and Hank did what he did. Yeah. And it was his fault still yeah. that he lost his job. Absolutely. It still was. You, you, you're you tempted by this episode to think, to absolve Hank of what happened and say, oh, maybe he can get back on the force or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and Reynolds was complicit, of course. Sure. In making everyone hate Hank for ruining the case and sure. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it, it it's really clever how they plant Reynolds in there, just kind of skirting along the edge yep. of everything yep. and influencing it and getting away with it all. Well, that's one of the things I thought was interesting when I talked with Tim Minear about this episode is that he said the ballsiest thing they did, the thing that they were sure it was either going to work or the whole thing would fall apart, is when midway through, Reynolds is basically caught. Yeah. He does the voice lineup. The woman sort of semi-recognizes him. And it's jumping ahead a little bit, but I don't want to talk about that scene because, first of all, the actress who comes in and plays that witness, Deborah Vancelette, she was also on an episode of Veronica Mars. Okay. And she is she has maybe a couple lines like, no, yes, that's not him, but she sells that emotional vulnerability and that not wanting to be there so well Yeah, that I'm right there with her. And you're wondering if she's lying right. about recognizing the voice. That's the genius of it. Is is she lying? Is she too rattled? And we're so focused on the drama that we think is unfolding, which is Hank and Gustafson. That look on Gustafson's face yeah. when Hank says, do you mean second from the right number four? Or he's leading her. Gustafson's, yeah. his eyes, you have never seen an expression that more says, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, than yeah. That look on his face. Yeah. And that's the story we're watching. We're not watching the story where she just identified Reynolds. Yeah. Because yeah. we think, oh, that's a mistake. And we're, yeah, we're waiting for yeah. her to be obvious about not identifying Whitman. Right. That that that's the that's the fake out like, oh, she just picked some guy. She happened to pick the cops so they know it's not real. Yeah. No good witness. And again, so much going on in this <laughs> one scene. And it's so great because they told us the end of the episode. But it's still a a shock at the end because nobody thought that was what was going on. Yeah. It's a great magic trick. It's the misdirection is the story that we're watching, not the story that's going on. You see what watch what's going on in one hand and you don't see what's going on in the other. It's it's just genius writing and directing. Where we go from there is Hank just completely off the rails. He has a big fight with Gretchen and they they had been previously even when he woke up drunk and she sort of chided him and she's mm -hmm. like, "You don't have to move your truck, Hank. It's on the lawn." Yeah. Like there was still that sensitivity. There was still that love between them. Yeah. They were still affectionate. But when they get into this knockdown drag out about whether or not Hank should be going after this Whitman guy, yeah. it it's gets the tipping point. It gets as ugly as we've seen since two episodes ago when they were arguing in the present. I never said that, Hank. I never used that word. You didn't need to. I told you I had a bad experience, an experience I just as soon forget. Stop pressing me for details. Why are you protecting him? Protect. 
protecting him. Just like he's always been protected. His whole life by his family, his money, his name, his victims. I never said I was a victim. Why are you so eager to make me one? I'm not. I know this guy, Gretchen. Believe what you want, Hank. You're drunk. You're going to hear whatever it is you want to hear. You think I want to hear this, huh? You think I want to know what this shit he'll did to you? I think for whatever reason you want to punish him. Don't do it because he slept with me. Do it because he's guilty. Why well, he is guilty? Okay! Guilty as shit! All right! You know what's funny? For something you apparently can't remember, you're trying real damn hard to forget. Well, Billy Whitman, he doesn't have to try because he forgot about you the second he was done! And that door slamming, that's as good a metaphor as you get for the relationship being basically over. Yeah. As if that relationship going bad was not enough, we're next seated, treated to what happened between Gustafson and Hank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point in that there are a lot of things going south yeah. for our heroes. All at once. Yeah. yeah. And Hank and Gustafson in the interrogation where Hank is drunk. Mm-hmm. Not just a little tipsy. He's, he was drunk. He was on a bender. He was out of control. And Gustafson pulled him in. Mm-hmm. And Gustafson too is, late though. Yeah, too late. Well, so we think, because Gustafson is there, and he is pretty sure that Hank's done something. He's being very gentle. He tells him several times, "You need your union rep. You need your lawyer." Like we've, this is Gustafson caring about Hank. Mm-hmm. He gets mad at Hank, even the present, but he always wants to look out for the guy. Yeah. They're still and partners. They're still partners. And he tells him that Whitman was in an accident. Somebody ran him off the road. Hank is unrepentant. Mm-hmm. and talking about, well, I'm glad somebody did it. And you can't tell if that swagger is, did he do it and he thinks he's getting away with it? Or did he genuinely not know and is glad someone did it? Yeah. And we don't know. Yeah. When we get to the end, we'll talk about okay. where, with the reveal of who ran him off the road. But they found a kit. They found his rape kit in his trunk. Right. And it turns out that about an hour before the being off the, run off the road, he had had a flat, called a technician, and that technician was in the trunk and didn't see anything. So they know it was planted. And Hank's still not by. He gives this big rant about how he ran himself off the road. He, he planted, planted it in his own trunk. And it starts to sound insane. Oh, it sounds crazy. And it sounds like Hank is guilty and he's trying to get this guy for something that yeah. he thinks he did. Yeah. He's in there, isn't he? Yeah. I, I don't want you to talk anymore, man. Do I have the right to remain silent? You don't have the ability to remain Who's silent. Who's he in there with? His high-priced mouthpiece, Kasabi and the mayor, maybe? You know what? You need to shut the hell up, right? You want to know if I planted shit in Whitman's trunk? The answer's no. That's a sure as shit fact. I'll tell you who did. Whitman did. He planted his own shit in his trunk, okay? He flattened his tire, he got a prior witness, he ran himself off the road, or he paid someone to do it, planted this shit in his trunk to set me up, and you want to know why? I'm back! Because he knows I'm on to it! I'm coming for you! Hey, Matthew! Sit down, man! Sit down! Come on, you! I need you to sit down! He'll be gone by the end of the week. I got you! He better be. Minor arrest or what? This is bullshit. That's it. And with what we know, that was the right decision. Because Hank was badgering an innocent man, and it looked like he framed him and ran him off the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's lucky he's not in jail. But we jump back to the modern day, and it looks like, oh, they're finally going to get Whitman. Yeah. Because Gustafson's interrogating him, holds up these panties, tells him they were from Temecula before he changed his MO, that he's guessing that we'll find your DNA all over it. Mm -hmm. And the lawyer's there and basically shuts the whole thing down. And as the lawyer and Whitman leave, 
He's one cool customer. Yep. Hey, can you give these to Gina? Have her sign them back into evidence for me. Sure thing. Think he took the bait? You tell me. You were watching. Guess we'll have to wait and see. And they're not talking nope. about Whitman. And I've seen this show many times, and I still forgot that. <laughs> yeah. I forgot the, yeah. the details of the sting, which is so elegant. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So before we get to the big reveal, we drop back to Britt, and Britt making the biggest mistake of his life. Mm-hmm. And what struck me in, re- in watching this again is how fast it happens. Yeah. Britt's just standing there watching. I mean, here's the thing. The reason this is going to go poorly for him in court, it's absolutely premeditated. Yeah. I mean, he's drunk. Mm-hmm. He's drunk, but he's he's sober enough to have gotten there on his motorcycle. Yeah. He went and he found the he guy. He found the guy. He talked to him for a second. Yes. And then he wailed on him and the hard. Guy, the guy doesn't say anything to provoke him either. No, not the really. The guy, he just, he just asks if he knows her. Mm-hmm. The guy says yes, and that's it. Hey, yeah. He's at him. He didn't provoke him in any way. He didn't yeah. talk back to him. This looks bad. Bad yeah. for and, Brit. And Brit is guilty of sin. Yep. There's no two ways about it. And you still feel oh. incredibly sorry for him. Because he's just ruined everything. Yeah. And we know he got the wrong guy. That yeah. makes it even worse. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it particularly better if he beat up the poor professor either. But at least that guy was a scumbag who was cheating on his wife. Right. This guy just... Just some poor bastard who <laughs> happened to be in the same class yeah. with his fiance. Yeah. The worst sin that that poor guy committed was flirting with Katie. Yeah. That was the worst sin he committed. Yeah. And yeah, it's just brutal. And Britt wrecked him, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he just beat like... The guy's down and more almost unconscious, and Britt hits him again. Repeatedly. Yeah. They, like, they really went yeah. out of their way to show that. I've talked about the fights on this show before. And they they definitely get the brutality Mm -hmm. of of violence in this show. Then we get back to the big reveal, which is Gustafson and Hank sitting in their office. And Reynolds comes in to talk to him. Yeah. Before we get to the finale, I want to mention one thing I thought was interesting. The whole thing with going back to the first episode. And this is another one of those questions about when did they know what they knew? Gustafson in the first episode and the second episode is very much asking Hank, like, did you and your boy toy plant that gun on Lindus? And we now understand why Gustafson was so convinced that Hank would frame a rich white guy for a crime he didn't commit. Oh, yeah. That's what he looks like he does. Mm -hmm. And to this point, until this very moment, three years have gone by where Gustafson has believed Hank framed this guy. Yeah. And Reynolds comes in and very quickly, Hank tells him, no, no, turns out it was you. Laura Ross told me. And I like how fast that switches because it was just sort of a casual scene where they were talking about Billy Whitman. And then you see a uniformed officer walk up. Gustafson tells Reynolds mm-hmm. to keep his hands where he can see him. Yeah, that's a needle across the record moment. Yeah. They sit down and they, they roll it all out. Three years ago, you were nearly identified in a lineup by a victim. You panicked. You knew how I was leaning on Whitman. So you ran him off the road and you planted that rape kit in his trunk. You hitting the bottle again, Hank? No. If I hadn't back then, maybe I would have seen it clearly. Maybe not. Maybe I was too close. Maybe I'd still have my job. Maybe I'd still have my marriage. But Laura Ross saw it. She pointed out some really interesting things. The perp knew exactly how to cover his tracks. He knew exactly what we needed to look for. I suggest law enforcement. And guess who consistently was the first officer on the scene every time? You. So? So? Just one more time. 
just so we're clear. He told me to get down on my knees. You weren't about the raid. You're about reliving it by making the victim recount to your face the very things you did to them. That is some evil shit. Yeah, and it also helps them nail him. Yeah, it does. Because thought they might be having some of those panties, and he went in and destroyed the evidence, Mm -hmm. which they didn't have anything on him. But now they do, because he destroyed the evidence. Yeah. And with that and the voice confession, Reynolds is probably going away for a very long time. Yeah. It's a nice moment. It's the, it's the triumph that Hank and Gustafson both needed three years ago. Yeah. And it leads up to Hank wandering outside and having sort of a self-aware moment. And where apologizing. He, he gives those amends. And, and the amends are so good. Well, it looks like we finally got it right. Laura got it right. I had the wrong guy. I did too. Mark, up until tonight, I didn't know myself what I did three years ago. Hey, listen. I'm kind of new to sobriety, but I know I owe you an amends. When we worked together, I was completely out of control, and I'm sorry. You were a great partner. Thank you. He didn't yeah. know that he hadn't done it. Yeah. Because the reveal is Reynolds is the one who ran the guy off the road. Reynolds is the one who plants the plan of the kit. So this is a bit, not only is it closing a case that really kind of wrecked his life, it's redemption for him because he realized he didn't do something he thought he might have done. Yeah. And it gives him that break to allow him to make amends with Gustafson that he was never comfortable enough making because he didn't know if he'd be lying about the amends. And then Britt shows up to remind both of them that Hank is still a fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he definitely didn't do right by his partner. He tried. But this is kind of like the previous episode where Britt is spending the whole time telling Hank, don't drink, stay away from the wedding. What are you doing? Get away from this. And Hank isn't listening to him. This episode is the reverse. Parallels. Hank Hank is trying to do the same thing for Britt. Yes. That Britt tried to do for him and it works just as well. Yep. When Britt rolls up and he's yelling, I got the wolf man, and he starts howling. Yeah. Oh, man. Just so unrepentant. Yeah. And from there, we see Hank and Britt in the cell. It just gets worse because, again, you get to Terriers, you get to the last minute, you're like, oh, two or three minutes left. This is just the little wrap up. Yeah. No, no. One last gut punch. Oh, that's right. Because we've seen Hank do this many times where he tells the truth in situations where he should lie. Yes. And lies where he should tell the truth. Like where he told the guy that he was sleeping with his wife yes. and the guy throws him out the window. He's like, he didn't have to say anything. Well, yeah, oh, oh, he did wait, no, because he, he did. He, he did, but he didn't have to tell her. He didn't have to tell her that that's what happened. Yeah. yeah and it's like, oh, yeah. Hank, you're too much of a good guy. And he tells he tells Katie to lie when he should have told her to be honest in the first place. Yeah. Because this just got worse with it being on with him knowing it just gets worse for everybody. Yeah. But. Because now Britt has lost two people. Yeah, he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. He can't let Britt keep thinking that he did this justified thing. Right. He's got to have Britt know that he did something wrong. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to reveal the piece of information he has, which is you got the wrong guy. Just so many brilliant twists and tangles in this story. In just these 40 minutes, it's exceptionally clever, and I am insanely jealous of how smart it is. <laughs> yeah, the writing on this show is so sharp, and the acting, and e- literally everything about it. I resolve things like that in my stuff with werewolves. Werewolves. I, I Yeah. 
Well, sure. Why just not? Send in a monster. Yeah. Have gunfight. And- that was a Dashiell Hammett's thing, right? Send yep. in a monster. Send in a monster. Yeah. yeah that's that's what he Raymond, said. Raymond Chandler. In, same thing. In, in Red Harvest. Yeah. yeah. The publisher had to go in and edit out the zombie attack. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, to this day, I'm not sure. They should have done. I'm going to rewrite it. Once it hits public domain, ah. I'm going to do one of those Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, <laughs> but it's going to be uh, it'll, the big sleep with zombies. The Maltese Falcon and the werewolf. <laughs> yes. The Maltese werewolf. <laughs> I'll, nope. I'll thank you in the credits or no, in the good. acknowledgements. I will, I will appreciate the nod. <laughs> There's one last thing, and that is that after we've seen their relationship come apart, possibly forever, we go back to where it all started. And this is where we get that Mr. Stark Captain moment. Yeah. Where Hank is talking to him on his way out. It's a moment of hope. All right. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Scooter. Free to go. You. Come on. Cool. Open two. Hey, listen. Do you remember anything more about last night? Give me a call. All right. What do I call you? Detective Dolworth. Hank. Hank. Yeah. Hey, what about the other guy? The asshole with the beamer. I handled him. What were you doing out there stuck without a ride anyway? Oh, no, I had a ride. Dude just bailed on me. Sounds like it's time for you to get a new partner. Yeah. And a new line of work. Hey. I hope you catch this guy, man. We will. In time. That's how Brit met Hank. It's a moment of hope, though, that that's the capper to the episode. Yes. Jason, thank you so much for being here to talk about this with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and reminding me just how inferior I am as a writer as we dissect this brilliant episode. Yeah, but it's all going to change once the Maltese werewolf comes out. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be loaded and everyone's going to be like, terriers. (laughs) What? Werewolves are where it's at. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that's the title they should have gone with. Werewolves. <laughs> that's I, I'll buy the Blu-ray again. <laughs> so, the end of Hank's marriage, the end of Reynolds' career, and freedom, and the start of a rough road for Hank and Brett. Uh, yeah, ain't we got fun? Beach Cop Detectives is an independently run podcast co-produced by Randy Lander and Grant Davis from the TV Dudes and part of the Permanent Record Network. Music for this series includes the surf music tracks Happy and Whimsical by Paul Tyann. To hear more of his work, go to soundcloud.com slash Paul Tyann. Artwork for the show is by Nate Bliss. You can find him at n8bliss-art.tumblr.com. You can like us on Facebook at Beach Cop Detectives and on Twitter at Beach Cop Podcast. You can hear weekly TV commentary by Randy and Grant at thetvdudes.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.